slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you. And folks, it's a great time to be a New York Islanders fan. Islanders downing the Philadelphia Flyers 4-0 to take a 1-0 lead in this series. We have a complete analysis and breakdown of what the Islanders did right, what made them so successful, and we will take a little peek ahead to Game 2, which is coming up on Wednesday. We also have our Islanders birthday of the day and a lot more to talk about on today's show. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic you'd like to discuss, please feel free to email the show. Our address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. All right. Four to nothing. The final score and overall an outstanding hockey game by the New York Islanders. And again, I think the key, the first and third periods, the Islanders really were the better team, I think, in the first period especially, but you get past all that, and you realize that the Islanders in this game did so many of the little things that they needed to do to win correctly, and that in and of itself is a beautiful thing. Back-to-back shutouts for Simeon Varlamov. He made 29 saves to earn this one. He is now 39 seconds shy of Billy Smith's franchise record for longest playoff shutout streak. And uh, if he can not let up a goal in the first 39 seconds of Game 2, he will surpass the Islanders Hall of Fame goalie from the dynasty years and set that record. But when you look at this game and you realize You know, the Islanders, especially in the first period, came out and really took it to Philadelphia. Set the tone early, outshot the Flyers 15-4 in that first period, and really, with the exception of a breakaway attempt by Kevin Hayes, where uh, Hayes tried to make a a fake and go to his backhand and tried to to beat Varlamov 5-hole, There were no real major defensive breakdowns by the Islanders in that first period. And when you really control the tempo the way the Islanders did in the first 20 minutes of this game, it's almost like they should have been up 
more than one to nothing. And at the end of the day, they played the period they needed to play. On those rare occasions when the Flyers did get a shot, Varlamov was there, but the Islanders really were swarming the puck and not letting Philadelphia have any room to maneuver, any room to break out of their own zone or to set up with the puck in the Islanders' zone. They really did an excellent job of stifling what Philadelphia was trying to do. Meanwhile, Andy Green gets the goal in six minutes, six seconds into the game. Nice high shot, Brock Nelson with the only assist. And, you know, for Andy Green, his first goal of the playoffs, but I mentioned uh, a few times on the show how well Andy Green is playing. And it's not flashy. Yeah, this goal was great, but you know what? For the, for that one goal with the beautiful shot, he also made some defensive plays, again, subtle, simple, sticking his skate out to deflect a centering pass that would have been wide open and breaking that up in the defensive zone, making the safe clear, making the transition pass, keeping the puck in at the point and knowing when to pinch and when to stay back. These are things that a veteran like Andy Green adds to the lineup each and every game he plays, and he did it again now. I, I certainly feel bad for Johnny Boychuk. He's a good guy, and he's a good hockey player, but there's no way right now that you could take Andy Green out of the lineup. 18 minutes, 37 seconds, the goal, which turned out to also, by the way, be the game winner, uh... He's a plus one. He had the two shots on goal, two hits, four blocked shots for Andy Green in this one, which essentially uh, gave him the lead among Islanders. So, again, one of those situations where the Islanders getting those contributions from some of the role players. And if you think about it, both of the players that Lou Lamorello picked up at the trade deadline this year, scored the first two goals of this game. And both of them also contributed to the Islanders' success. So Andy Green doing the job for the Islanders, and at the end of the first period, it was 15-4 to in shots on goal, but still only one to nothing on the scoreboard. And if there is a drawback to the style of hockey that the Islanders play and the way they are as a team, I think that's it. Because, you know, they dominated that first period, and yet it was still just a one-goal hockey game. The Flyers, for all of the fact that they were outplayed, that the Islanders set the tempo, played their style, out-hit, out-hustled, won those, you know, one-on-one 50-50 battles for pucks, they were still only ahead by one goal because the finishing wasn't quite there in the first period. However, however, uh, the second period was a very different situation. We will talk more about that second period, what happened to the Islanders, and how they responded. Plus, we'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day. We'll break down the rest of this game and start thinking about game two. All that and more still to come 
on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And folks, if you're looking for auto parts, I know it's not necessarily an easy thing. It can be intimidating going into a store, going up to the clerk. He's behind the desk. You're asking about the prices and the equipment that you need, and you only are limited to what that person behind the desk has. Plus, chain stores, they often have different prices for mechanics, professional mechanics, and do-it-yourselfers. But instead, you can go to rockauto.com where their prices are reliably low and the same for everybody. rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. There's no membership There's no account login. RockAuto.com is a family business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything you need for your car, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com You know, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy, and usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, and it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Just go to Roman.com and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. So the complexion of the game really did change in the second period. Flyers outshot the Islanders 15-7. And, again, this was the period where Simeon Varlamov really stepped up his game. The Islanders were no longer dictating the tempo. The Flyers got a lot of quality, well, a lot of chances, a few quality chances. But whenever they did get good chances, there was Simeon Varlamov to shut the door. And, again, with goalies, it's not always the number of saves you make, but... It is very often when you make them and how you make them. And Simeon Varlamov really came up big in that second period. So while the Islanders were back on their heels, they emerged from the period with that one nothing lead still intact. And that is vitally important. 
And then in the third period, the Islanders essentially cementing the game. You had the goal by Jean-Gabriel Pajot, his fifth of the playoffs, by the way, in 10 games, uh, at 2.54. That was a, a pretty goal, nice play by Kamarov and Pelik. They had the assist. And Ross Johnston, who had 10 hits in this game to lead all players, by the way, uh, Johnston also making a good play on that goal that helped make it possible. Then you had the pretty goal at 8.50, Anders Lee completing a tic-tac-toe play with Eberle and Barzal. That made it 3-0. And then, curiously enough, with a little more than uh, seven and a half minutes left in the game, the Flyers, in desperation, pull their goalie. Devontae's puts it into the empty net. And the Islanders skate away with the 4-0 lead. Now, the Islanders gave up 29 shots on goal in this game. Both teams actually even at the end of the game with 29 shots. But the Islanders have still not allowed an opposing team to get 30 shots on goal. And again, you look at the statistics from this game. And the Islanders are doing the things they need to do that make a difference. We talked about the hits. Ten hits in this game for Ross Johnston. Islanders out hitting the Flyers 34 to 29. And a lot of guys, you know, contributing to the hits. Matt Martin was next with five. And then you had uh, a, a whole bunch of players at three in Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Casey Sezikis. So, you know, everybody's participating, everyone is involved, and then you get to block shots, which to me is always one of those things where, you know, is your team willing to sacrifice? Are they willing to, you know, pay the price to block those shots, to, to keep the goalie from having to make all those saves? Block shots, again, just like in Game 5 against the Capitals, Islanders dominating. 22 block shots for the Islanders, 10 for the Philadelphia Flyers. So a big difference there. I mentioned that Andy Green led the way with four, Ryan Pulak with three, but a lot of Islanders uh, stepping in. And out of, you know, eight out of the 12 forwards that dressed in this game had at least one blocked shot for the New York Islanders. And the other thing you notice in this game, the Islanders stayed out of the penalty box. They gave up exactly one power play to Philadelphia all game long. That's one power play all game long. And it happened with five minutes, 21 seconds left when Matthew Barzal was called for high sticking and you know, at that point, it was already a 4-0 hockey game, and we knew this game was, for all intents and purposes, out of reach. So, you know, the Islanders only had one power play attempt, and they didn't do a lot on the power play, but neither did the Flyers on theirs. And we talked, you know, so much about how well the Islanders have played in the postseason, 5-on-5, five and they continue to do that, especially in the first and third periods of this game. And 
they were smart. You know, they they did the little things. The first period, the forecheck, the aggressiveness, the not giving the Flyers room to maneuver with the puck in all three zones. Then you had the block shots, the hits. You had the strong goaltending when they need it. Stayed out of the penalty box. They just did those little fundamental things right. And that's what you need. You had the players who, you know, Barry Trotz inserted into the lineup coming through and coming up big. You had, you know, 10 hits from Johnston. You had the goal by Andy Green. And again, strong play there. Uh, Johnston in, uh, in, in into the lineup instead of Derek Brassard, who was a healthy scratch. And that was, again, you put the guy in the lineup. This was the second straight game he was in there. He did something positive to earn that playing time. And having guys step up is always critical. The other thing, no Islanders forward played more than 17.43, and no Islanders forward played less than 11.13. Barry Trotz rolling four lines for most of this game. Now, not equally, but all four lines contributing. Now, there were a couple of scares. Cal Clutterbuck uh, banged up, missed one shift, I believe, before coming back, and then Ryan Pulak a little shaken up at one point. But again, even on defense, what you see, Adam Pellick leading the way with 21 minutes, 42 seconds of ice time, and Nick Letty, 18 minutes and 13 seconds of ice time, had the least amount of ice time among the six Islanders defensemen. So, you know, rolling your defensive pairings, rolling your four lines, getting contributions from everyone, doing all the little things right. Folks, it's a great time to be a fan of the New York Islanders, and this team right now is playing its best hockey by far, at least since that 17-game point streak back in October and November. When we come back, we'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day, plus uh, we'll take a little sneak peek ahead at Game 2 and some of the changes we may see from both teams, all that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Folks, you can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off your first delivery and zero delivery fees 
when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the co- promo code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Happy belated birthday to former Islanders forward Ray Ferraro. Ray turning 56 on Sunday. Ferraro originally drafted by the Hartford Whalers in the fifth round of the 1982 NHL entry draft. Joining the Islanders during the 1990-91 season, remained with the Islanders through 1994-95, then spent one season with the Rangers and finished his career with stints with the LA Kings, Atlanta Thrashers, and then briefly the St. Louis Blues. And Ferraro, a big part of the Islanders' successful 1993 playoff run. He also had 40 goals and 80 points for the Islanders the year before that in 1991-92. We're going to go back and look at one of his best games as an Islander, January 7, 1992, at the old Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. Islanders and the Red Wings. Goaltender for the Islanders, Steve Weeks, while the Red Wings had Tim Shevelday in between the pipes. And it was Ray Ferraro, our birthday of the day, scoring first just 248 into the game. Benoit Hogue and Graham Townsend with the assists. Detroit got two goals back in two and a half minutes. Paul Isabar got his 21st from Sean Burr and Steve Chason, and then Steve Chason, his fourth. From Hall of Famer Steve Eiserman, that made it 2-1 Detroit. But 34 seconds after the chase on goal, Ray Ferraro gets his second goal of the game, 22nd of the year. Townsend and Benoit Hogue again assisting. And after 20 minutes, it was a 2-2 hockey game. No scoring in the second. In the third, the Islanders pull away. Bill Berg gets the Game-winning goal, his third from Hogue and Ray Ferraro. And then Ferraro with two goals in 43 seconds. His 23rd and 24th, Hogue assisting on the first goal, the second goal unassisted. Islanders skate away with a 5-2 win over Detroit. And for Ray Ferraro, four goals and one assist in this game. He scored four goals on five shots which did lead the Islanders. He was a plus four in this game, as was his line mate Graham Townsend. And the Islanders skate away with the 5-2 to two victory. Steve Weeks, 35 saves in this one to earn the victory. Islanders outshot 37-21. to 21, But with Weeks in goal and Ferraro having a five-point night, the Islanders able to win and come away with two big points in this one. So again, Ray Ferraro, happy birthday to him. 56 years old on Sunday. The native of Trail BC is our Islanders' birthday of the day. All right, let's talk a little bit about what to expect from really the Islanders and the Flyers in Game 2 I cannot imagine the Islanders will make many changes as long as everybody remains healthy. And I think the Flyers, in spite of the fact that Carter Hart was not outstanding in this game, but he was quite good 
I think they will unquestionably stick with him. The issue for the Flyers after the first game is still the issue they've had after the Montreal series. Their biggest names are not producing enough offense to sustain this team. And the one thing you don't want to do if you're the Philadelphia Flyers right now is press and squeeze that stick a little tighter and start to worry about, you know, what they're doing wrong and why can't they get a goal and and feeling snake bit. I mean, realistically, they need more from the Claude Giroux and the Scott Lawtons and the Jakob Voraceks and the Kevin Hayes's. Uh, you know, most of these guys did not do a lot offensively. Uh, you know, Hayes had that one breakaway. Uh, Konecki had four shots on goal to lead the Flyers. But at the end of the day, Sean Couturier, uh, no shots. Aubrey Kubel, no shots on goal in this game. And Michael Roffel, no shots in this game. But the Islanders frustrating the Flyers, and the the fear, if you're the Islanders, is you don't want that dam to open up, where the Flyers' top offensive players all of a sudden start to really, you know, break out and produce. So the Islanders are going to have to keep playing their game. And the beautiful thing about it in all three series that we've seen so far is that that's what they're doing. They are, for the greater part, of most of these games, the Islanders have dictated the tempo. They did it in the first period. They did it early in the third period. And then by the time it was three to nothing, uh, you know, game one was really out of reach. So the New York Islanders have a one nothing lead in this series, a 4 nothing victory. Simeon Varlamov remains red hot. The Islanders are doing the little things right. Like I said, it's a great time to be a New York Islander fan. That's going to do it for us here on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back tomorrow with an in-depth preview of Game 2 and a whole lot more. So make sure you join us. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great day. And, of course, let's go Islanders.